From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. We are suffering, so you have to help us. I will. It's not my fault that it's Look, I'm only collecting sounds, okay? I say we don't let such a thing here. Okay, but I ask. Why do you come inside without? ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and little audio pieces parts that we scavenge from all over the world. On the air, the internet, we listen to everything we can get our ears on and play the best of what we hear for you each week on ReSound. My mother name is Samata. Samata. And my father name is Mohammed. My name is Jens. Jens. What is your name? My, my name is Suzy. My name is Yonekwate. Nice to meet you. Are you ready? Thank you. Bye bye. Today we're devoting much of the show to one remarkable story. So remarkable, in fact, that for its brave reporting, innovative production, and important subject matter, it won not only the 2011 Third Coast Director's Choice Award, but also one of Europe's most prestigious prizes, the Pre-Italia for Radio Documentary. In this story, German producer Jens Jarisch takes us to a slum in Accra, Ghana, that's become an illegal dumping ground for electronic waste from the West. The slum is nicknamed Sodom and Gomorrah, and where there was once a blue lagoon, there are now thousands of cardboard shacks and smoldering piles of discarded computers. In Sodom and Gomorrah, children scavenge through the e-waste, hoping to sell what they can for a pittance, while dreaming of escaping to Europe, which means, among other hurdles, crossing the Sahara undetected. Jens went to Sodom and Gomorrah to document the lives of its children and to follow the trail of electronic waste back to its original source in Europe. This documentary was originally produced in German. Today we hear the English adaptation by Sharon Davis of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It does contain some difficult themes that may not be appropriate for younger listeners. Here is Children of Sodom and Gomorrah. You have to strive for yourself and fight for yourself. Even if you have to die for striving for yourself. Oh my God. <laughs> There is a place. <laughs> you find in your dreams. I know what I'm doing. Yes, yes, I When your life seems to have no way out. That is is so sweet. <laughs> and there is another place. You really end up in. Maybe you don't have any that money. So you have to die. When there is no place left for you to live. 
if friends didn't contribute for you, you would die. That's what is going on. But always here is burning. Old Testament. Here is burning. One is Europe. Street Paradise Ventures! The other is called here Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. After a night on the ship. At the end of a long, dark night, at five o'clock in the morning, on a scheduled passenger voyage across the sea that divides Morocco from Spain and Africa from Europe. As morning breaks, we draw near to a coast of flickering lights. And I think, my Europe. A reporter stands ahead on the bow, looking out into the night. Apart from a long, thin strip of European lights on the horizon, the ship is still gliding through total darkness. Where, perhaps not so far away, rubber rafts are drifting with people on board. No one would see them. Until today, I had never thought about what it would be like if I had never been to Europe before. Wherever I have lived, I have always started out from Europe and I would risk my life. The people who die on the sea in the course of this night will remain nameless. Only the handful who reach the shore in Europe will be given a name when they arrive. They're called economic refugees. But that's not the whole story. We have to story. take a look what are the pull factors, analyze why certain routes are chosen routes why certain modi operandi are are chosen business um, this is the, let's say the core business of our analysts sodom and gomorrah where the lagoon used to be used to be because now there's no lagoon it's now rubbish and damp and you know but when we were growing up, it was a lagoon. Papa, why? I need money. I don't get money. In the middle of Accra, the capital of Ghana, 20 or 30 years ago, there was a wonderful lagoon. And it was blue. But all that is left today is a black hole. The swamp around the lagoon dried out, and people came to settle on the mud left by the swampy land of old has now disappeared completely and has become this thing, you know. Thus a new secret district came into being in Accra, right at the heart of the centre, between the old harbour and the new station. But nobody in town wanted to acknowledge what was happening there. Even today, the area is officially uninhabited. There is no entry in any register and no mark on any map. And then somebody called it Sodom and Gomorrah. My, my mother name is Samata. Samata. And my father name is Mohammed. And my sister name is Hawa. And your name? And my name is Uzema. Sodom and Gomorrah is made up of thousands of little wooden sheds. A few of them have a second story sticking out from the sea of planks, cardboard boxes and rocks. Giant rubbish dumps stretch out around these dwellings. When it is dry, waste piles are burning everywhere. And when it rains, Sodom and Gomorrah reverts for a while into the swamp it once was. Uh, me and my sister come to Accra. 
My sister said that as she said to your water. The air is sometimes grey, sometimes black with smoke. The lagoon is dead. The water from the two inlets has become a sluggish mass as the waste slowly decomposes. Drinking water only comes in little blue plastic bags carried in baskets on the heads of the girls who sell it, shining in the sun like the artificial blue of a swimming pool. How old are you? Me. I'm 13 years old. My sister is 14 years old. Almost all the water sellers are children, and nearly all are girls. What's what do you fear here? Five years. He says five years. Accra, Ghana. Morning. I came here alone. I didn't know anyone here. In the countryside, there isn't enough for everyone to do, and not enough for everyone to eat either. Our family only has a small field, and in the village, the only work is the work in the fields. And so your parents sent you here when you were 12 years old. They said, when you have saved enough money to be married, then you can come back to us. At least, that is the story the parents tell their children, so that saying goodbye does not feel like saying goodbye forever. Since then, you have been selling blue water bags in Agbobloshi Market, just across the way from Sodom and Gomorrah. For the nights, you pay rent for a place to sleep in one of the wooden sheds, where you and 20 other girls find protection and a little peace between sunset and dawn. <laughs> In the evening, you spend what you earned during the day on a little fufu or jollof rice. You have fewer than a dozen possessions. Last week, for the first time in your life, you bought something you didn't absolutely need. A little necklace to wear around your neck. Words are tattooed on the pale insides of your lower arms in capital letters as if you had written them there yourself with a pen. But they are genuine tattoos. I had the tattoos done here. On my left arm, I have the names of my brother and sister. On my right arm, I have the names of my mother and father. And the address where they live. Frontex is a European agency which provides uh, border control authorities Frontex. Uh, with the technical and operational support Europe, a European border control coordinator. Agency. I'm a border control uh, practitioner border. Uh, by profession. Um, so I'm a, a practical control practitioner 
professionally oriented technical uh, director operational of a coordinating body do you think we can go there or do you think it's dangerous the first time the reporter comes to Sodom and Gomorrah stumbling down the paths numbed by all the things his senses perceive trying to pay attention where he treads in the furrowed mud and suffering another little shock each time he lifts his head. He can do no more than simply accept this world as it is, without being able to make any sense of it yet. Sewage trickles through the narrow alleys, music thunders from the two-story wooden shacks, and flakes of white ash hang in the air. Then the reporter reaches a broad open space, covered in layer upon layer of white ash, where cracked corrugated iron and charred debris are lying. He completely fails to grasp that this is not the way things usually are. Such is the reporter's view of normal life in Sodom and Gomorrah, that he cannot recognize the abnormal. Suddenly, the reporter is forced against a wall by a crowd of upset and outraged people. They want help. So what is the problem? In their pain, the people in the crowd are seeking a way out. While several men hold him fast and carry on talking at him, the reporter feels an unbearable heat beneath his feet. He looks down and sees the rubber soles of his shoes slowly melting, and now he realizes that he is standing amid the smoldering embers of houses raised by fire on the very soil where, just a few hours ago, a family lay sleeping. And at last he understands what has happened. You see, this place all has burned this morning. You understand? So right now, fire burn us. You understand? I did not know. Yeah, you do not know. But you came and saw it. Is that a guy? Yes. We are suffering here. We are suffering, so you have to help us. I will. It's not my fault that it's Then tell your people to help us. Banglang, Ghana. Morning. You were born here, Banglang, a village in the far north of Ghana. Tiama, Senegal. Bambara, Maundi, Mali. Farafeni, Gambia. But your village could be anywhere. Chomba, Cameroon. 
in Diakpurata, Nigeria, Banglang, Ghana. This is where your life began, and although you could not have known it then, this is where you set out on your long journey to Europe. And you have a book. What's the title of the book? You are sitting on a log at the only forking of ways in your village, reading a slim volume. You are ten years old now. The title of the book is The Disobedient of Schoolboy. And what's the book about? It is any person that would not fear any, any teachers, including the headmaster. Yes. That is, is bad, bad behavior. I would like to see where you live. Can you show us your house of your family? Yes, but my mother is going to market. But it's, is it okay if we go there or is it a problem? Because we, we are not ready to see the compound. You don't feel very comfortable about your guests finding the clay floor of your home full of sand the wind has blown in and leaves that have fallen from the shaynut tree. Five round, straw-roofed mud huts standing in a circle around a little yard. Four hens and three kid goats. Walls and floors, the hearth in the middle of the compound and the little walls around the wash house. It is all the reddish-brown hue of the earth. What are they doing? They produce them to, to hair. But this looks like it was too small. But, but it have the spam. As well as school, you help your father to farm the family field and your mother to fetch water from the well. Let me see what we smell. Fetching water for your family can sometimes take all day. At the edge of the well, there are empty canisters of vegetable oil, donations from the surplus supplies of the Western world. At the same time, selling edible oils from seeds and nuts is almost the only option the villagers have to earn a little income. Ah, that's very nice here. Yes. You have never left your village, but you have already heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that there is money there. So do you like your village? I like it, but the village people are dangerous. Um, I think we have more and more clearer... Clear picture. Uh, ...a picture on where the risks are. Uh, we know that the um, those people who... People. ...irregularly cross the, the border... Border crossing. ...those... Are children, uh, uh, children, and that is one thing that that we really need to take take care when take care drafting the operational plans. Operational plans. Yes, I go. I go. Look, I'm only collecting sounds, okay? Where the money comes from to feed Sodom and Gomorrah is not immediately apparent. After a while, though, 
one can't help noticing the junk that is lying around in every conceivable spot, not just on the rubbish dumps that surround the dwellings, but outside and inside the sheds, stacked along the paths, and scattered along the banks where the two rivers once flowed, where goats roam between exhaust pipes, headsets and espresso machines, Hello. looking for the odd blade of grass. May I ask what you are doing here? I'm just picking aisles. What? Aisle. I'm picking aisles. On broad stretches of mud, strewn with shards of glass, plastic and metal, children are shattering the screens of old computers. It looks like play. The boy shows his hand. It is black, but this is not the black of skin, but layers of tar-like dirt. Oozing thickly from between these layers of dirt is deep red blood, mixed with greasy dark streaks of oil and soot. You have hacked open an old laser printer and cut yourself on the plastic <laughs> as fine dust from the ink cartridge wraps itself around you. You look almost funny like that, but only almost. If the wound becomes infected, you could lose your hand, your arm or your life. Where would you find the money for a doctor? Hello. What are you burning? I'm burning for copper. The boy rips insulating foam from refrigerators lying close by to fuel the flames as he sets fire to a pile of electronic waste. Then he fans the flames with cardboard. The heat is immense. Thick black smoke settles on the skin and brings tears to the eyes. Let's get away a bit. The fire is too intense. Once copper and other metals have been smelted out, the rest is left to burn on, or just left. This way, even a seven-year-old boy can earn as much as three CD by working an eight-hour day. The combustion and decomposition release highly toxic substances like cadmium, lead and dioxin, severe enough to cause deadly damage to the respiratory tract and nervous system. My name is Jens. Jens. What is your name? My, my name is Susie. My name is Yonekwate. Nice to meet you. Are you ready? Thank you. Bye-bye. Labels sometimes reveal who once used the equipment. Companies, cultural institutions, associations, schools. In the Netherlands, Germany, Britain, Norway. There are even computer screens from a government environment agency. In Europe, electronic waste is treated as hazardous. Its export, or any attempt to export it, constitute a criminal offence. On Obasi OK Road, the only vehicle access into Sodom and Gomorrah, trucks of scrap are being constantly unloaded. Most of the lorries come from the nearby harbour, where ships arrive from Europe every day bearing containers and used cars.
Tamale, Ghana. Early evening. And, um... So how old were you when this happened? I was 11 years. Um, so may I ask you how your father died? Yeah. From one moment to the next, your life can change. You're 11 years old when an envious neighbor in your village puts a curse on your father. Your father instantly falls ill and dies a few days later. I called my father with a, with a, a ghost, with a hometown ghost, and then it killed my father. And, uh... Your mother suffers a nervous breakdown. She can no longer work, and relatives bring your family to Tamale, the nearest town. How, how did it happen? From a village without electricity, telephones, or any means of transport, you arrive in a town with a library, a wireless network, and a bus station. You move into a deserted house far from the center, where your mother needs to recover, and it is up to you to feed her your little brothers and sisters, and yourself. My name is Aisha. I have three, three brothers and two sisters. And how many cats do you have? Cat. You have the little cats? Four cats. Ah, three. Three cats. Four cats. The health of your mother has improved. <laughs> I just said, um, I, see, I see some white people and then I was going with my some friend and say, I see some white people, I'll go and talk to them. And then. From now on, more and more, you go to the bus station. What do you connect with white people? I think they, they help us. Yes, they help us. Denmark. Denmark, yeah. Nice. Yes. From the first minute I got out from the bus, they were surrounding me. A lot of children trying to tell me stories about their dead family and how they needed to go to school. Where would I? It's my friend. But yeah, it's I my friend. Yes, I know him. Yeah. My friend from Tamale. It isn't the money you beg from the holiday makers that you care about. <laughs> so much as the window they open for you onto a faraway world with no ghosts. And one day, an opportunity will come, although you will not realize how long you have been waiting for it. Someone you know, from your village back home perhaps, gets onto the bus to the capital and says, come with me, just for a few weeks, and earn some money. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Ähm, ich würde gerne fragen, wofür diese, diese Waren sind. Welche Waren? In Hamburg, near the docks, they are packing a container. Damaged fridges, heaters, irons, vacuum cleaners, televisions, hi-fis, radios. Alles hier. Ähm, verschiffen Sie das? 
The dealer sells it as scrap iron and it is shipped out by the buyers. You buy up scrap. Who do you sell it to? He doesn't say who buys it from him. No entry there. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast Festival. I'm Gwen Maxai. If you're just joining us, we're in the middle of a story about a neighborhood in Accra, Ghana, called Sodom and Gomorrah, where children sell scraps of discarded computers, illegally imported from the West, to eke out a meager survival. Or they dream of escaping Accra altogether and immigrating to Europe, a nearly impossible feat. Let's get back to our story, Children of Sodom and Gomorrah. Accra, Ghana. Just after midnight. When you arrived, you were just as shocked as everyone else. Why? But because you believe that city life is a more advanced social order, you tried to adapt without questioning. But selling water, I only earned enough to survive, and sometimes hardly even that. I couldn't save anything. But if I don't save any money, I can never go home again. Now you are 15, and you have been in Sodom and Gomorrah for three years. There are small, small girls here. Very small, small girls. 15 guys, 12 guys, 6 years guys. Not all the men who spoke to you wanted your water. Many offered you money, many threatened to beat you, and others advised you to rent a room in what they call a children's hotel. You only moved around by day and keeping close to as many people as possible, and yet you were often raped. Then you moved into one of those two-story wooden shacks in Sodom and Gomorrah a children's hotel. Downstairs, there's a kind of bar where they serve alcohol and play deafening music. Upstairs, they rent out tiny rooms to girls who sell themselves. Their hardship has slashed the age limit to an unimaginable level. Today, a reporter asked about you. He's waiting outside your children's hotel at the entrance to Sodom and Gomorrah. Just there, a teenage boy is being accused by some men of stealing. And as you pass, the men are beating the boy, urged on by a noisy crowd, until he is dead. You turn away and walk across the road. You sit beside the reporter on the curb, you exchange a long, silent look. The reporter's look is shattered. Yours is only sad. You both lack the words for the boy's murder. Okay. Where do you come from? 
see. And how did you come here? Please, it's a long story. As for me, it's a long story. It's about my father and us and my mother. We live at our village. My father has a big farm. So the village people want they want to collect the farm. They make it they kill my father. They killed your father? Yes, so my father is not. My father is dead. And as for that. Your face is barely visible in the darkness. When a few tears run down your cheeks, they leave bright silvery streaks, pale reflections on your deep black skin. I'm looking for money, that's why I do that. What do you dream at night? Mm. Okay, if I sleep that dream, I dream pretty. Oh. As for this dream, eh? something like calling me. So they do have their own dreams about Europe, you know. To tell, um, to tell the truth of their faith. Our society does not allow that. Our society doesn't want that. We don't want that. We, ah, it's complex, yes. You know, it, we need a bit of hope, okay? Life can be miserable here. And the idea of Europe, that is our uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, we don't want that dream shattered. When you shatter it, it kills the light, it kills the hope. When you, when you travel to Europe, going through the bitterness, people would rather close their eyes to it. So far, um, we are dealing with border controls, which is linked to, the, to, to persons. People. When it comes to the control of goods, that is uh, a task of the customs organizations. Border control. At the port in Hamburg, the custom agents control goods crossing the border both imports and exports. Also der Zoll definiert sich ja da über die Aufgabe, dass er den Warenverkehr über die Grenze kontrolliert. They concentrate on imports to try and stop tax evasion. Und genau das machen wir also auch hier im Hamburger Hafen und that is what we do here at the port of Hamburg. If electronic waste is smuggled from Europe to Africa, Germany doesn't lose a single cent. Wie sieht der umgekehrte Weg aus? Warenausfuhr. Aber natürlich auch was für Ware geht da ins Ausland. What kind of goods are going abroad? I mean, naturally, we are proud of good German products like our beef salami. The reporter interrupts him. What about computer screens, he asks. Some of them are so old, aren't they just old scrap? Yes, that is certainly a problem. If I can see that the goods are broken, like, say, that screen there, even then, he can always tell me that all those circuit boards behind it are still valuable. He can say he wants to use them. That is quite tempting, then. 
Instead of putting your electronic waste, as required by law, into a time-consuming and costly statutory scheme for recycling hazardous waste, you simply redesignate it as second-hand goods and dump it in Africa. Oh, no. Normally, what is supposed to happen is these things are handed over to the disposal companies. They are actually required to show that they really do meet the provisions of waste law and environmental law and dispose of them properly. It would make my hair stand on end, really it would, to think computers like that are being exported and that they are being taken apart by children somewhere. But who is going to look that carefully? A country in Central Europe doesn't get to be a world leader in exports by giving every container a detailed once-over. Gao, Mali. Afternoon. You recently turned 16. In a cafe in Gao, you ask if you could play a CD. You'd been carrying the CD in your pocket for thousands of kilometres. It is full of songs that you recorded with friends in Sodom and Gomorrah before you finally left. Uh, because of that, uh, I told you uh, I need producer. Here, in Gao, a desert town in Mali on the southern edge of the Sahara, you walk the streets and cafes. If you strike it lucky, they let you play your CD and you sing to it. On the television, Al Jazeera is showing images of the latest suicide attack and nobody is listening to you. Nevertheless, most people give you a few small coins. I would like to ask you about the things that you always carry with you. These be my pictures. These are my pictures. And who is that? She's my junior sister. All that is left of your family is one younger sister and a photograph of her. Then you pull a piece of crumpled paper from your bag. This this here is information. Since I decided to set off for Libya, I've been collecting this information. And what kind of information is it? Like if I enter, I call them. The paper shows three telephone numbers carefully written down in Biro. Soon you want to cross the Sahara. You will have to walk for several days to pass the borders without being discovered, so that one day you can reach Libya, Algeria or Morocco. But you know you can die. Yes. If we get luck, uh, the Libya... If we are lucky, the people in Libya will help us. If we're not lucky, sometimes, the people sometimes in the desert, the desert of a lot of people die there. People dying there. And you can die. And I might die too. You'd be risking travel. So if you get luck, you enter. If you don't get luck, you die. Eh. Maybe so. But 
Do you want to take that risk? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. You have only one bag. Here you keep the clothes you're not wearing right now. Seven photos, one CD with your songs, and a note with three telephone numbers. Before you lies the Sahara. Okay, then we are uh, gathering here for a meeting to discuss about. Uh, yes, sir. We have a uh, member state data from the. Oh, first of all, I, I'll talk with our colleagues from the risk analysis unit. The data we receive is the situation has changed. Surveillance means uh, possible use of helicopters. Your escape has hardly begun, but it has not gone unnoticed. You do not suspect this, but far away in the city of Warsaw, analysts at Frontex the agency whose task it is to secure Europe's external borders, are working out how they can prevent you from reaching your destination. I think the key questions here is really to understand the role of border control, um, not to be the source of what is happening at the border. Key question. Um, if the rules, uh, the regulations... Uh, the political choices of the European Union are clear. Political choices. Border control authorities cannot change these facts. Other people. That is for sure. Um, it belongs to someone else. Are, are you interested in, in the reason why Africans want to come to Europe? That is one of the key questions. On the scrap heaps of Sodom and Gomorrah, amongst the insulation material, keyboards, screens, tubes, boards and cables, the reporter is looking for further clues. A small boy is watching him. Hello. What's your problem? I lost my computer. No, I'm just joking. I'm recording the sounds, you know. Sounds. Suddenly, three men arrive, two silent and one shouting. Oh, I'm sorry. The small boy vanishes in a flash. Whom did you go and ask? I'm sorry, I didn't want to interfere with anything. I say we don't like such a thing here. Okay, but I ask. Why do you come inside without informing the elder people and then you are going with the children? Oh, I did speak to the elder Excuse me, you caused a harm by yourself. Why? Why, why? What are you doing? It is never accepted. If you want to I do that, know. go to our head know. office there. Okay. I go. You go I there go. right now. Other than that, if something happened to you right now here, it will be your problem. Okay. Go to our people okay. there. Okay. And stop doing do what you are doing. The two other men say nothing. I'm nobody. I'm only telling you the actual fact. I, I go will, to our people I will there. Follow you. But what okay. you are doing. The reporter tries a tactical trick and claims he is here with the knowledge of the police. Okay. Uh, but I did ask permission. Who did you ask? I asked the police. Uh, I asked the. There is nothing police. about police here. It, it, police can never do something here. Here it not belongs to police. So if you go and ask, there is nothing that you can do about the police. Okay. I hope you get me. Yes, I get you. Uh -huh. I get so you. we get elders so, here. So the two men come a step nearer. Before you do what yes, you I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry. Of I don't course. know. I of can't course. see that This you're... is not the first time. It will cause a harm for us. Okay, I didn't know. Because I... what you are, we don't know what you are taking. I... But it will give us a problem here. Okay, I'm a, I'm a DJ. 
You, you know, are a DJ. I, I just if record sounds. You are a DJ. Sounds, doesn't mean that you should come here and no, do whatever. Then the reporter is taken into an office that looks like offices all over the world. But here, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it is quite a surprise. Air conditioning cools the room, faxes hum softly, portable computers flicker in silence. One decisive circumstance preserves the reporter from enduring hassle. He has not taken any photographs or filmed. He's only recorded sounds, which the men now listen to, wrinkling their foreheads, becoming bored very quickly. The two bully boys leave the room. The man of words remains on his feet behind the reporter. The office manager now explains why unauthorised personnel cannot be tolerated on the scrap heaps of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amazingly, he draws on concepts such as premises, operation, business interest, undisrupted workflow. After a while, the reporter starts to feel a little safer again and, unnoticeably, switches the recorder back on. Which is, doesn't augur well for us. Yes. Therefore, if we see something which is not in the best interest of our business, we don't allow it. You understand? I understand. I would do... Sounds has nothing to do with our business. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. If it's something that is related to the government... The manager stresses on several occasions that he is working hand-in-hand with the government and that access to the premises is only granted with a permit from the Ministry of Youth and Sports. So the government knows about our activity here. You understand? Youth and Sports? Yes. I see. You understand? Yes. The reporter understands that somebody here is trying to cover a cynical business with a legal facade thereby revealing the whole scheme. And therefore what you are coming to do has no any negative impact on our business. I see, yes. Because the reporter would never have guessed that the entire desperate, self-destructive struggle for survival at Sodom and Gomorrah was structured along the well-organised lines of a commercial enterprise. That the procedures had been strategically devised and that the hordes of children had been factored in as units of labour. While the reporter is still busy thinking about this, his gaze wanders along the endless rows of files against the wall. They are files of the kind that any office might have, but something about them catches his eye until the reporter realises what he's actually looking at. In these shelves, there are dozens, perhaps nearly a hundred files, stretching across several rows, and they all bear the same label. Hamburg. Ujda, Morocco. Anytime. And how do you live in the forest? Life in the forest is very difficult. Less than one child in a thousand makes it to Europe. Only suffering living in the bush. And if you manage to make it to one of the borders of Europe, you are no longer a child. We have many races there. We have the Ghanaians, the Senegalese, the Malians, the Gambians. When you were 16, you left your country. Now you are 23. 
and at the end of your journey to Europe. For seven years you have lived in the no-man's land between Morocco and Algeria, like a ghost. Hiding in the bush, in the mountains, searching for food by night, running by day from the military police, who hunt you like an animal. Because the governments here, they don't want to see us. In Morocco? Yes, in Morocco, I mean. They don't I mean, I want to just have a picture of how your seven years were, you know? You just want to have a picture of how my seven years was. I spent about five years of that, my seven years living in the forests. Sometimes we get some houses, but it's not that the Moroccans there are giving us the house because they want to give us the house. It's because of they, they are poor a little. They just want us, they want to get something from us also. That is how they leave us, that's how they give us the house. The reporter cannot people. feel what you have experienced these seven years. About seven of us in the room. More than ever, the border between you and the reporter is impossible to cross. To you, your words mean something different from what the reporter is able to understand. Your suffering cannot be shared. I have nobody. I have myself. Even that one you call your friend is not your friend. Because he also is suffering. Sometimes I have to, I have to, I have to, I have, it's like I have to sell my life to eat. It's like I have to give my life to somebody to use. Here in Morocco, it is not the sea that separates you from Europe, just a fence. You would only need to place a foot over that so. fence and your life could move on. But those who have tried were shot before they ever got as far as the fence. That is how life is. And so you have been waiting for seven years. That is how... But I'm happy being here because I know sometimes I can even see somebody like you, a journalist, trying to ask me my feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. I like to see people like you trying to ask me how I feel because I can remember it has been about five years I've seen somebody asking me how I feel. I'm waiting for the day to go to an European continent so I can mix with good people, maybe people that understand life a little, because life is hard. Well, if we think about the fundamental values and the fundamental uh, things of the European Union... Fundamental values. ...in the field where we are acting, it's the freedom of movement... Freedom of movement. Uh, security. Security. And the third uh, uh, thing is, is justice. Justice. The, what it simple means is white, white man, white man, white man. That's what they say. What is poverty in Europe is not necessarily poverty here. You see, because no matter how bad it is, it is still somehow middle level for us. Writer Amadako fled to Europe as a young woman and lived as an asylum seeker in Germany for many years. You see, I am a bad, bad example 
because you know i went i struggled you know i was cleaning i was babysitting but i was also writing books and i would not have written books if i was here that is the truth but europe opens a, a, a opportunity of knowledge for you which you cannot get here and which probably Europeans take for granted. So as for the dream, it's always there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Back in Europe again, arrival in Amsterdam. Now I am coming home. And I have been through these barriers and passport controls a hundred times. Usually he walks up to a glass window and holds up his identity card and the official behind the glass nods and the reporter walks on. It only takes seconds. In front of me... But in front of him in the queue there is a black teenager that the reporter had hardly noticed before. And what happens next is really just an everyday, inconspicuous procedure. The teenager pushes his passport under the window and the official leaves through it for a long time. And it was at the passport control that our paths divided. Border police accompany the black boy into a separate room and all he will see of Europe is this airport. Whereas the reporter walks through, switches on his telephone and receives a message from his phone company welcoming him back to Europe. That was Children of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was originally produced in German by Jens Jarisch. This version was adapted into English for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation by Sharon Davis, with narration by Rebecca Massey and sound engineering by Russell Stapleton. To read an interview with Sharon Davis about adapting the piece into English, visit our website, thirdcoastfestival.org. Before we go, a smaller story, also from Africa, from Kigali, Rwanda. It was submitted to Third Coast for our 2012 Short Docs Challenge. This piece is a simple story of language, laughter, and daily chores with neighbors. Here's my blue bucket. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you very much. Very much. Haja's mother sits on the concrete ledge outside her home. Handmade straw broom in one hand, the other hanging over her knee. Little Haj sits beside her. He looks up at her. She smiles and pats his head before rising again. She continues to sweep the orange dust from the concrete pavement. She bends over because the broom handle is short. She holds her left hand on her lower back and sweeps with her right. She sweeps the concrete of our compound every morning. 
There are five houses in this compound, including mine. Hajj and his slightly older sister run zigzagging around the wet washing hanging from the lines. His older sister brings out a potty where she calls Hajj to sit. He glances over at me washing my clothes in my blue bucket. The sister, who's seven, washes him and empties the potty in our communal toilet. After I hang my last load of washing, I go and sit on the street just outside the compound. Hajj follows, his feet sliding in his sister's sneakers, with one of his hands holding up his oversized shorts imprinted with flowers, love hearts and bees. We sit together and observe life in the slums. There's a constant murmur of conversation here. People are always stopping to chat to one another. About what, I can't say. But I feel I want to be a part of it. And I feel its absence when I'm not here. I've become used to the constant hum of life in the slums. I'm used to taking showers in a bucket, hand washing my clothes and bed sheets, to frequent electricity blackouts and running out of water. Hajj no longer comes every morning to share tea and bread. His family moved to a bigger house. My small house has no kitchen or bathroom, just my three plastic buckets, a table and a chair, a cupboard and a bed. It's become a home where I feel connected to my neighbours and those in my street. My Blue Bucket was produced by Helene Thomas and Stephen Tilley and entered in the Third Coast 2012 Short Docs Challenge. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. Today's episode was produced by Katie Mingle and Dennis Funk. The program is curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival was founded in 2000 by WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. You can also connect with us through Facebook and Twitter. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.